everybody and welcome to the technical area your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me your host Gaffer Graham once again it's international football this week and the less I suppose said about last night the better especially if you know we enter these dark days of Irish football that you know we've known have been coming for a long time it's just hard to take nonetheless and I know there's plenty of people taking some enjoyment from it as well and look we can all be on either side of the coin so now it's just our time to be down it's also Sunday lunchtime so about 20 past 12 and I was just start recording not a usual time for me to record a podcast I did say I was recording on Thursday night but it was just one of those weeks where everything it, Every evening had an event that was not expected. Thursday evening had its event. Friday evening had its event. All day Saturday had its event. And I'm hoping now that for the rest of this Sunday, nothing else goes ahead. This is episode 60. And I suppose for the last few episodes I've been talking about the fact that, you know, I'm a little bit lost in my football manager safe. I have no idea where I'm going. I've loaded up again and again and again, and you know, I I just seem to be just kind of wandering aimlessly, I suppose, without an idea of where to go. There were some ideas that came up. I was like, oh, I don't know about them. Other ideas came up, and it was definitely no, especially when starting unemployed. And I suppose there's a lot of pressure you can put on yourself as a content creator. You want to be a little bit original. I don't know if you listen to the Athletics FM pod, but there's a Bundesliga challenge there. Alex Stewart from TIFO was managing Stuttgart. And I think that did have an influence and an impact on how I was managing Stuttgart. And the project there, and it put me off a little bit. I'm loading a football manager. On last Monday, brand new database with the updates from the winter and all that so on. Brand new save. I made the decision to leave out Europe's top five leagues to challenge myself. Ended up with some, you know, great ideas. You know, starting unemployed, I got job offers from Toronto and LA Galaxy, but there's a hesitancy to jump into the MLS given how things are going. I've gone with FM21 this year. There's also an opportunity to go to Bode Glimt, the current Norwegian champions who are 15th out of the 16 team league. And having you know looked at their squad, absolutely decimated by injuries. Morale is very, very low. And there's a lot of players who have not... So a lot of players who have expressed the desire to leave. Um, which makes things even more challenging, I suppose, that you're going into a squad that's totally imbalanced by injuries, transfer requests and unhappiness. That, you know, the challenge is there, but then having seen other people, so many people managing Boda Glimt after their first elite Syrian win last season, you know, kind of put me off because you want to be this little bit original. Uh, 
Willem Two, the Netherlands. Also a job offer there. Really interested possibly in that one. Didn't feel some sort of connection. I don't know what it was. But the other day I just happened to be scrolling aimlessly a little bit through Twitter. Which I've ended up doing again after my month long sabbatical there. And there was a tweet from the FM blog. FMBL0G. One of the biggest groups I suppose on Twitter with 21,600 plus followers that's what it says here I have on my phone in my hand and the reason is because I bookmarked a tweet it's like to save it because I wanted to give it a shout out and I suppose you know those Drake memes where you see kind of that satisfied look in his face and the point you know underneath the shock and horror one well this one has all of the, the Drake looking satisfied and smug and happy with what he's seeing and I suppose it was a tweet that really kind of hit a bit of a spot with me because has it's a starting a save with a five star team to go on a period of European domestic domination should make you smile. Starting a save with a low league team to create a management legacy makes you smile. Starting unemployed and bouncing around clubs like a footballing merc gets the smile. Cruising around broke clubs because you're into squad building and financial repair. Gets a smile. And the tweet, the simple bit of text that goes with it, doesn't even take up the 144 characters Twitter used to ask us, never mind the 288. And it just says, it's all good. Just enjoy the beautiful game. And I suppose now that, you know, it's the Easter holidays, the two weeks off, that's what I'm going to do over the next two weeks and by the time I'm talking to you next week I hope I'll have some good and positive and happy football manager news to share with you there that you know we can just get back out and enjoy the footballing game just to enjoy football manager just to enjoy the phone regardless of who it is I manage and not to feel the pressure of content creation where you know you need to be managing someone unique you need to be managing someone different that you need to be trying something different to everyone else to stand out from the crowd. You know, just enjoy the game, share what you're doing because people that's all people want to see. They want to be able to tap in and see what other people are doing, whether they're suffering or whether they're succeeding, whatever it is. We can all get out and really enjoy you know, football manager for the game that it is. Now this week, episode 60 is also dedicated to the MLS. The MLS, manage, it's usually, you know, every 5-10 episodes we look at the managers in focus. Episode 50 was Jack Charlton after a vote. So episode 60, we're going with the MLS managers because the MLS is returning now in the next couple of weeks. Now the thing is with the MLS, there's probably a lot of people even not going to listen to this or are going to stop listening at this point or whatever it is. And the thing is, the MLS does have, you know, it's looked down upon the MLS. It's kind of seen as this, you know, second-rate league. The way it could be approached in America with the registration rules, the the Americanisms. I don't know, but nonetheless, the MLS is often you know seen as this inferior league. And in football manager, not many people go there. But I tried this year. I know myself, and I know many others looking at the forums have experienced similar issues as well. So, but while the look down upon by many, especially from a European perspective, what the MLS offers is a unique challenge for a manager. One where squad building 
is the most challenging aspect of the whole job description. But it's a case of you're not even totally in control of that as well. Where squad building is then met with the challenge of good coaching. Because managing in the MLS comes with its own unique quirks. So stretching out tight budgets to build a squad. Where there is a lack of a traditional established pathway for young players within a club. Combined with the complexities of the draft, salary cap and roster spaces. Using allocation money to lessen the impacts of your squad. Or to try and attract more talent in. It means that for many managers, the roles are simply head coaches. With the general manager, or director of football, sporting director, whatever terms you see used now. More responsible for squad building elements. Particularly, you know, managing the financial side of the game from contracts and other aspects like this. Now, interestingly, I remember reading a 442 article there. It would have been 2018 and where David Beckham was the focus. And one of the more interesting comments made in this piece was that the MLS was struggling up to the year 2007. But since the year 2007, the year when David Beckham and the LA Galaxy era began, the once struggling league has now managed to find a feat of its own. And flourish as a development ground for players and increasingly European coaches. Now, while the MLS has found its place, I suppose, at the moment as a feeder league for the bigger leagues across the world, understanding that for a nation with sports leagues that gather widespread and national and international attention, the ambition within the MLS exists for a league to emerge as a world leader. Now, the 2026 World Cup. Returning to the US, Canada, and also taking in Canada and Mexico. One of the strengths the MLS had, one of the strengths America's bid had was the strength of the MLS and the strength of Liga MX, the Mexican League. In Canada, was not an established league, and as such, we've seen the establishment of the Canadian Premier League, even though Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver have stayed MLS clubs. We're now seeing. Uh, you know, this promotion of football in Canada. And it was the same back in 1994, ahead of the 1994 World Cup, as part of the bid the US committed to re-establishing a professional league. And in 1996, the MLS came to be. And there's a great piece on the M- on the MLS website, the MLSsoccer.com, and you'll see the link down below with about the, the MLS coaching tree. But the modern MLS can be sh- traced all the way back to two coaches who graced the sideline back then, and that in the inaugural season of 1996, Bruce Arena and Sigmund Siggy Schmidt, because these two managers have been the greatest managers in the league. They've been the ones who had the greatest impact on MLS, the MLS, the MLS coaching ranks since the league's inception. Arena has been the most successful manager in the league. Where the article was written at that time, he'd won five MLS cups, three supporter shields with DC United and LA Galaxy. He's had stints as the manager of the national team, nationally manager of the US, and now currently he's in New England with the Revolution as a kind of a GM manager. Very, very similar role to what Bill Belichick would have with the Patriots, and interestingly enough, both are sister organisations under the same ownership. If you go back to Bruce Arena's time with DC, 
His assistant was Bob Bradley, who's become a successful coach in his own right. He's won three Manager of the Year awards, now known as the Siggy Schmidt Manager of the Year awards, and he's currently at LAFC after stints in Europe, stints in Egypt, national team manager as well. Now, Ben Olsen, the current head coach of DC United, he played under Bruce Arena in college. He's played under Bruce Arena for DC United and himself has won Manager of the Year award. While other MLS head coaches, past and present, to played under Bruce Arena include Jesse Marsh of, new, of uh, the Red Bull Salzburg and uh, newly appointed LA Galaxy manager Greg Vanny. Arena has been a very, very interesting tactical coach as well in his own right. Because although they may line up as a to give a reliable 4-4-2 that we spoke about back in episode 54. But what's interesting about Bruce Arena is how his tactic is 4-4-2 has become very, very fluid. Tactical tweaks and player fluidity change the shape of the 4-4-2 to become something totally different. To move away from this basic rudimentary shape. The other coach that we've mentioned a few times now is Siggy Schmidt. And Siggy Schmidt was a German-born, Californian-raised coach. He won two LM MLS Cups himself. He won three Supporters Shields. So for those unaware, the Supporters Shield is the traditional league table. He's also won four US Open Cups, the equivalent to the FA Cup in the US. His coaching career started back in college, a bit like uh, Bruce Arena at UCLA. Schmidt then had great success at LA Galaxy, went to Columbus Crew, and even himself managed the US national team. And again, two coaches under current MLS coaches who've come out with the Siggy Schmidt coaching tree are Greg Vanny and Robin Fisher. Robin, sorry, Robin Fraser. Fraser, who was Vanny's assistant at Toronto, but is now currently a head coach himself. Now, in an interesting piece talking about how to dominate the MLS in a tactical and, 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 and analytical way, what we one of the more interesting points raised here was that it, the MLS now, as it evolves from the Arena and Schmidt coaching tree, is that it's a league now moving towards players who are young enough and capable enough to make the step from the MLS to Europe. So players using the MLS as a pathway, whether coming up through the ranks themselves domestically or coming in from abroad from. Canada, Central America and South America in particular. What we've seen though is top heavy talent. If you look at most teams across the league, most teams are top heavy. They're dominated by attacking players. Because often many teams neglect the balance of their spending in favour of spending most of the majority of their budget on attacking players. Like the LA Galaxy side of the Zlatan era. This was a team that could outscore anyone but at the same time if they weren't scoring they were conceding and one of the caveats I suppose of the league is that in recent times the teams who have conceded the least have won the supporter shield that's the regular league table because they have focused on recruiting high caliber defenders but often just like I suppose we all see football becoming this entertainment game football becoming entertainment more than a sport goals get attention Teams are spending the majority of their money on these high-caliber attacking players. Now, there's plenty of um, articles about the MLS. If you look around the internet, there's plenty of them. 
I read kind of five more, including the Wikipedia article. The Total Football Analysis has fantastic bits and uh, articles on match events. You know, we can talk about different MLS articles analysing teams, written about teams and managers, and from local media to international media. But as we go into the MLS this season, we're going into a 27-team tournament, a 27-team league table. The latest arrival is Austin FC, um, a consortium of owners, including Matthew McConaughey behind the new club there. So it will be interesting to see how Austin you know, established themselves in the league. We're going into a new season with 27 managers. So for me to focus on 27 managers in a managers and focusing is a little bit difficult and a little bit tricky. So instead what I've kind of done is I've kind of just moved away and focused on some key coaches, some key names that popped up from some of the bigger teams. So look, I'm not saying these are the biggest teams. I'm not saying these are the best coaches. There's plenty more that can be found and researched. If you want to go and dive in. Because there's plenty of inspiration we can find. From these 27 managers. I'm going to start off though. It would with in my list. Which is done in alphabetical order with Atlanta United. And the Atlanta United are now beginning the 2021 season. Under a new head coach Gabriel Mainza. Now after the rise and fall of Atlanta. From the Tata Martino era to the Frank De Boer era. We now see Atlanta returning to South America for inspiration and and returning to Gabriel Heinze, someone who's showed promise in Argentina, most notably with his most recent spell with a young Velez Sarsfield side, which he nurtured under his tutelage to you know some impressive performances in the league. Heinze himself has had success previously in Argentina with Godoy Cruz. He got promoted from Argentinos Juniors. And his coaching career so far has shown an ability to coach well with a tighter financial restriction than his rivals, and also a good ability to be able to bring out the best in young players. So looking at Atlanta United, keeping going back to that South American origin, and looking at this kind of a young player's tighter budget approach, which would be unusual for Atlanta, considering they've been so well-resourced so far, it would be interesting to watch how Heinz adapts to the challenges that the MLS brings. Now, some other colleagues, if you look at Austin FC, they're going into the season with Josh Wolf, Chicago Fire with former Swiss international Raphael Vicky, who's done very, very well there. FC Cincinnati under Yap Stam, who you know made some impressive moves in his time in Europe. The Colorado Rapids will be now under Robin Fraser, another coach to come out of the Bruce Arena, Siggy Schmidt. Coaching crew, so one to watch there. Current champions, Columbus Crew under Caleb Horror, have been very, very impressive in what they've done. You know, DC United, one of the more historic teams, Hernan Lasada. But then FC Dallas, Luchi Gonzalez's side, have done something extremely interesting. And that's what they've used a triple pivot in midfield. So we are aware of a double pivot midfield. But uh, Luchi Gonzalez's Dallas use a triple pivot. And what that means is the defensive midfield are slots between the centre backs. And the idea there is to overload the opposition strikers. It's a bit of a half back kind of situation here. But the wider two centre midfielders of the three, so with the halfback kind of dropping in, the two wider ones then kind of drop either side of the central defenders who will be very compact. And in possession, these three centre midfielders will move, these three centre midfielders, the two centre backs, they kind of 
will interchange the ball in possession and then the three centre midfielders will move forward with the ball kind of as one almost into the attacking phase. So it's a very, very kind of interesting way of developing this kind of um style. I suppose you could nearly say it's gonna get a defensive Mazala to an extent of oh you know, a wider central midfielder, but and it, obviously we don't have the defend duty, so you might have to be creative with that blank canvas that is the centre midfielder to create this Mazala type role, but it's a move which has helped FC Dallas to retain possession quite deep. Though, of course, then moving into the final third, things will give you a little bit more challenging. But, you know, so far, so good. And it's one to watch out for if you do end up watching some MLS this season. Uh, Houston Dynamo's Tab Ramos is also, you know, going into a rebranded era at the club. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, this new style of football, if this new look, to Houston will how it will you know could it influence the style of football on the pitch? But I suppose one where a lot of people across the UK, especially, be interested in looking at is Inter Miami with Phil Neville. So obviously, the Inter Miami have the luck with David Beckham. They have the location in Miami. They suffered a bit of a you know a, a, a tough start to the season. Uh, tough start to life in the MLS last year. Um, so it's now interesting to see how Phil Neville comes in. Now we all know. Look, we've all probably seen the Gary Neville um, comments about Phil becoming the manager on YouTube, or you saw it on Sky Sports. That Phil is a hard worker, he's going to get right in. So it will be interesting to see, because look, there are some obvious you know, differences between how women's football is played and men's football is played. So it will be challenged, it will be an interesting you know, observation to see how Phil can take his philosophy that worked well for him in women's football. You know, and how he, you know, translated then to men's football. And then not just from international football, which is totally different again, but then into club football as well. Now, obviously, one thing for Phil, like all of us who go to the MLS in the first time, is we could suppose rely on the support of the general manager, the director of football, to lessen the responsibilities of navigating the, the niche areas of the MLS. So Phil can kind of focus on being a head coach, focus on the coaching side of things. And to think as well, we've gone from into Miami with a Uruguayan coach and Diego Alonso to, I think he was Uruguayan. I apologise, I've forgotten that wrong. But to kind of go from this kind of, you know, South American, Central American style of football to, you know, more English variant, I suppose we could expect from Phil. It'll be interesting to see how the club's dynamic shifts there as well, considering that some of the, the moves they have made in the transfer market. Over the last 10 years, over the last decade or so, Kansas City Wizards were a club rebranded into Sporting Kansas City. And they've been under the same coach for 10 years with Peter Vermes, 10 plus years now. And Peter Vermes has developed them from a defensively solid side to one that's becoming more attacking orientated. And I suppose that's a trend we're seeing right across world football. There's a case of these clubs, suppose, these clubs, you know, Clubs evolving over time. We saw it with Stoke. We spoke about it here ourselves. We saw it with Stoke in the Premier League. So, Although the success hasn't really been there for Sporting Kansas City in the last few years, we want to watch as well and see how you know this side continues to evolve in a very, very challenging and competitive league that is the MLS. So you can't speak about the MLS without talking about one of the biggest clan clubs there is, and that's LA Galaxy. 
Nelly Galaxy have now turned to if their former left back and former Toronto head coach Greg Vanny to be the new coach of the team going into 2021 after you know a bumpy few years post the Beckham, Donovan and Keane era. Because the most successful Bruce Arena managed side of the early 2010s that had Beckham, that Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane. We've obviously seen Zlatan make the move there. We've seen Chicharito's now out there. This is a team that has, you know, that had success built on a possession style of football in a league where, you know, it's not overly possession orientated. Just truth be told. Now at Toronto, Vanny had a long period of success, and that peaked in twenty seventeen with the with Toronto winning their first MLS Cup, becoming the MLS champions. Twelve years after they first entered the league. The team was built on three high-profile designated players. So these are the salary-busting players, the ones you can pay the extra bit for that don't really affect the salary cap in with a full extent of their contract, and that's Michael Bradley, Josie Altidori, and Sebastian Giovinco, those three players. Bradley in international with European experience, Altidori in international European experience, and Giovinco. You know, that, that famous little... Italian player we all expected big things from as football manager players but I suppose never really hit the heights at Juventus but Toronto's style is very simple fullbacks overlap and it's a case of creating overload in the final third and teaming up with the wide midfielders and the wingers it's a patient possession based style that begins from the keeper out where Toronto in the final third under Vanny upped the intensity through short sharp combinations between these fullbacks, the wide midfielders and the attacking midfielder. So it's easy to see why LA Galaxy would look to his former left back, who was managed by Arena himself, to come in and bring this back to LA. This sharp, intense, possession based football that brought them success in the last 10 years. Because when the fullbacks go high and wide, they would swing in crosses to the centre forward. The attacking midfielders, the centre midfielders, their movements then in the half spaces are key to how the team progresses in the final third. So when you have all this interchange going on outside, when the ball comes inside to the wide midfielder in the half space, so it could be a wide central midfielder, not naturally, not essentially a winger, how they move the ball and how they move themselves between the gaps, breaking down the lines, that's key to how LA play. Oh, sorry, to, to how Toronto played under Vanny. Because they were ex- they exuded this calm, composed air when they were in possession, whether or not they were being pressed. And now that LA have rivals from LA Galaxy Royals from LAFC, bringing success back to LA through a style and a philosophy that worked will be key. So if you're watching MLS this year, watch LA Galaxy and watch Greg Vanny and see how this team evolves from beginning to end and it's because obviously we'll see a team that's ready to make a push probably maybe not this year but essentially def- definitely 2022 and 2023 because across the city across LA their El Trafico rivals LAFC are managed by again one of these Bruce Arena tr- coaching three coaches Bob Bradley and under Bob with Bob Bradley kind of leading the club leading the, the team LAFC have done something really interesting. 
And that's they've leaned into the Atlanta United expansion model. Now, Atlanta experienced success very, very quickly with uh, Tata Martino. LAFC have experienced some success as well, but yet they haven't yet captured that MLS Cup. They haven't won that the, the big trophy. While the, they won the Supporter Shield, that big trophy hasn't arrived yet. But what they've done is they've kind of taken this kind of um, Latin American kind of culture that exists in the city of LA and they've brought that influence onto the squad. There's an attacking intensity. Carlos Vela has become the star on, in the MLS, leading this LASC side. Vela can be used as a free attacker. A non-recognised striker, he's been allowed the freedom to find a space to exploit channels to open on the pitch. In combination with you know the more traditional striker that is Diego Rossi in this 4-3-3 system. Last season they brought in Bradley Roy Phillips, one of the you know MLS all-time great goal scorers, on a as a free agent, a veteran, free agent, and with all this movement behind him, they've then allowed Roy Phillips just to focus on being a striker. And then they've done something that we're seeing more and more in world football, and that's an energetic central midfield tree. You know, typifying this team. Three centre midfielders who are consistently good passers, who are extremely mobile, who are capable of suffocating the play centrally through their movement, positioning, and energy. Three centre midfielders who are more likely to create a chance through their defensive transition and recycling of the ball rather than through slick, incisive passing. But they are capable of this as well. And with Vela, this kind of free roaming attacker this you know we've seen a wide playmaker he can accentuate the physical qualities the center of the pitch brings through his own creativity and flair and this possession based side that bob bradley has has begins at the back with dutch goalkeeper kenneth vermeer this play from the back philosophy this high pressing system that focuses on you know, pressing the opposition and pressing the ball carrier very, very heavily in the similar way what we'd see to Pep Guardiola's Manchester City do. Because they want to win possession back high in the final third, transition quickly to attack. And that's what they've used this philosophy then to recruit the players. And it's brought them to success. Will they make the final step this year in 2021 to win the MLS? Just watch and see. Because with this high block, with the really, where only the central defenders really kind of anchor the team and aren't getting involved in this high pressing in the opposition's half. We're kind of seeing a team that philosophically resembles Guardiola's City, Liverpool, Klopp's Liverpool and Flick's Bayern. You know, ready to do something incredible in the MLS. Now other teams are, you know, kind of starting to bubble underneath and, you know, start to get a little bit of pressure on. Minnesota United are doing well under experienced English coach Adrian Heath. The rebranded CF Montreal are now beginning life post Thierry Henry with his assistant. So it'll be interesting to watch there. Nashville, who've done well in their inaugural season, their first season in the MLS, look good under Gary Smith. So they could have a good 2021. I don't need to really say much more on Bruce Arena, who's at New England Revolution. But a surprise name that might pop up is New York City and their manager, Ronnie Dyla. Now, obviously, we all know New York City FC. David Villa stole the show. Jack Harrison kind of made his name there. But with the backing of Manchester City, the City Group, the New York Yankees, we've seen 
one of the most talented squads be assembled in the Bronx of New York. One of their previous head coaches, Patrick Vieira and Dominic Torrent, they had a possession-based philosophy, which is very similar to what we've seen under Guardiola. We've seen this stretched build-out play, where at the back, when when the defenders were in possession, the four attackers, you know, they push behind the opposition defence. Then one will drop deep into space, one will make another move and pull disorganised opposition players. So it's so under Ronnie Dalia will we see Ronnie Dalia will we see you know this continuation of what New York City have done under Vieira and Toronto? Well look, we can't really judge many clubs on what happened in twenty twenty post pandemic. But now as we're kind of beginning to merge into this a pre pandemic a post pandemic setting in post break, but as we're kind of settling back into this more normal season, MLS starting. I mean this more normalized approach i suppose you could say this more normalized year we could see something very interesting happening there at new york city fc but then they do have to contend with new york red bulls who have done something amazing by spending you know it's the most money ever spent by an mls club on compensation for their new manager gerhard struber and the reason they did so was because the red bull model has to permeate through all ranks of the club and Struber does exactly like this. He worked his way from coaching young teams to having a, such a successful season at Barnsley that the Red Bull hierarchy picked him up, spent the money on him, brought him to New York to replace Jesse Marsh, who moved from New York Red Bulls to Red Bull Salzburg. And because Struber himself spent his final years of his playing career at Salzburg, he has shown this Red Bull approach, this Red Bull model of playing through high energy high pressing football that seems to be taking over the world so again new york red bulls we could suddenly see the re-emergence of that powerhouse that done so well kind of at the time where, where the beckham and Keane era was taking off in la now in orlando city 2021 is going to have another interesting element 2020 was a rebuilding year under their new coach oscar pareja they're going into 2021 with Nani, one of their designated players to captain, but also Alexander Pato, former AC Milan striker. And already with there, they have Dom Dwyer, one of the league's most prolific attackers in recent seasons. So we could see Orlando City becoming a very, very attacking threat, one to watch, certainly this year. And from what I've seen on the social media side of things, Pato seems to be settling in pretty well in front of the goal. If you like underachievers, look no further than the Philadelphia Union and their head coach Jim Curtin, where they're building this interesting identity that gives off the sense of being like real overachievers. They have a very, very talented 19-year-old, Brandon Aronson, who's emerging as a number 10. So watch him develop and see, again, this could be a player that makes a move into Europe very, very soon. And... How even Curtin manages his squad is very interesting. I know most players don't like being on the bench, but El Senio, one of their you know, you know best players, was a player who struggled starting matches. But when he was introduced in the 60th minute, they had an impact player who was capable of changing the games when he came on. Because not only would El Senio come on and change the game, but Philadelphia would change shape. They changed their approach. To bring out the best in Ilsenio. And he's a player who's changed the game 
more often than not in the last half an hour than any other player in the league in recent years. FM Grasshopper um, um, wrote a great article a year or two ago on Matthias Almeida, the San Jose, Earthqu- San Jose Earthquakes head coach. And one of the reasons, I suppose, that Matthias Almeida gets a lot of interest here is because he uses a very, very intense man-marking system founded on high-possession play, where the lines of confrontation, the pressing rotations, every opposition player is marked one free man kind of in situations where to create a numerical superiority and lead transitions. So to Almeida himself, you know, Argentinian, and has this Bielsa-esque identity to decide, okay, look, there is a weakness there in defence, I suppose. Many, you know, can spot that very easily. But for Almeida, he wants his football, his footballing philosophy is what he wants his life philosophy to be. And that's to be calm and confident. He wants to create a team that feels like a family, that can be clearly defined and identified. And it's worked very, very well for him. The difference Almeida made in his first season was incredible. With an almost identical squad, they finished 23 points better off in his first season than they had on the year before. Staying out on the West Coast and moving up to Seattle, we've seen the team there kind of, you know, shake a lot of tail feathers and have a lot of success recently. And I suppose with Brian Schmetzer leading the club, they have a very, very balanced squad. One that's more varied in their attack and capable capable of like attacking teams in a different manner and in num- numerous ways than most other teams, which you know might put all their attacking, you know, budgets, their attacking expenses in very very similar type of players. But with Seattle, you've got one of these varied squads who can be very very consistent and unlock you in many you know interesting ways. Schmetzer replaced Siggy Schmidt. And built from the steady back line that existed there, and then with the atta- and then focused on the attacking talent, because well, they were very very reliant upon their attacking midfielder Nicholas Ladero, a raw Jordan Morris who made the move to Swansea, unfortunately having a season cut short there. But what we've seen there is a squad then that this attack has evolved. Ladero has been a key player at, as their number ten. With Jordan Morris, they had a guy who was an. You know, it was good for a goal or an assist nearly in every game. Their 4-2-3-1 system that Schmetzer plays is very, very similar to what we've seen before with other teams. With this man-marking approach. But the two DMs would sit very deep. Shield the central defenders. Clog up the centre of the pitch. And then release the likes of Ladero and Morris to be very, very quick and effective on the counter-attack. Forcing teams to play out wide. Forcing teams then to play into the hands of Seattle. Now, going into 2021, there are so many managers in the MLS that we can all find inspiration from. And I suppose now that we've seen the the success, I suppose Jesse Marsh, the impact he's had in, in Europe with New York, with Red Bull Salzburg, it's no surprise that the 2015 manager of the year Siggy Schmidt manager of the year named after Siggy Schmidt after he passed away a couple of years ago we're looking at an MLS that's becoming something totally different it's rising and you know gathering a lot more attention we're seeing 
you know, clubs looking to the MLS now to bring players across. Miguel Almiron at Newcastle, a player who's certainly raised, you know, plenty of bums off seats through his attacking play and what he's capable of. But now as coaches seem to be cutting their teeth in the MLS, finding their way, maybe it's time for us to do the same. Whether it's to gain inspiration or start our coaching careers and our next football manager save there. Don't sit on the MLS. Something interesting is happening there, like nowhere else in world football. And as and I asked the community just that. Because the way this league is, should managers be given a little bit more? Should they be more highly regarded? And yeah, two thirds of the voters on this week's poll said yes. Charlie Tango FM made a great point. Because there's so much administration work in the real football manager players have so much to take on you know where you have to shoulder some of the tasks that real world director of footballs would would take on the task like Claudio Reina for example what were what you must take on in the MLS will challenge you in ways real life managers mightn't even be challenged either it's very similar I suppose in some ways to what the A-League as Charlie says it's it's like a salary cap there is a challenge there but if we want to do something totally different, experience something like nothing else in world football, go cut your teeth in the MLS and see what it is you can become. Now, just before I send you off to the land of opportunity and dreams, could you do me a little favour? take time to maybe leave a review to like or share the podcast on your socials anything just you know we would greatly appreciate it like if you leave good reviews bad reviews just if you know anything constructive for us to grow and build would be very very welcome links for all the articles i read will be found down below and you suppose could send you down a wormhole of reading because there's so much there a rabbit hole sorry of, of reading if you're interested in following me or looking a little bit more at the blogs, whatever it is, you'll find the links to myself and the podcast down below. The music for this podcast came from Pond5. So Pond5, if you're looking for stock footage, credit where credit's due. For all those people who voted, for Charlie for the extra comment there, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Please get involved next week because that little thing I've been talking about where, you know, moving in a little bit of a different direction. The sixties of the episodes. So I'm gonna try a little something a little bit different. To stir the pot, ruffle some tail feathers. Not lean so much on real life football. Let's have a little bit of a debate, an argument, a row, whatever it is you want to call it. Because in episode sixty one, I'm gonna be telling you why starting unemployed. Is the best way to play FM. And I want you. To tell me where you stand on that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Every voice is welcome. If you want to send in a tweet. With 288 characters. 
to get your voice heard, do it. If you want to send in an email with unlimited characters, do it. A voice message, do it. Everything is welcome. But next week I'm going to be convincing you why starting unemployed is the best way to play FM. Not picking your team out. Not, not ideal. But until then, I'm Gaffer Graymo. Stay safe. Talk soon. Bye now.